Well, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to The Wind Down. Today, we're discussing technology, digital maturity and the not-for-profit sector. How investing in technology can actually help your not-for-profit organization. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Hello and welcome to The Wind Down. I'm Nick and this is... Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? Good, thank you, Nick. How have you been? I've been very well indeed. I've been very well indeed. Now, we're remote today, which is kind of strange. We are remote. Still doing something different and back and forth a bit, but that's we've been travelling a bit too, so this is probably the easiest way for us to work remotely. Yes, yeah, so we're going to be doing that. We can do that more because there's more travelling coming up over the next couple of weeks. It's like travel, travel, travel. There is indeed. Who would have thought that work remotely actually means you have to go somewhere? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, rather than home, that's a really interesting point. But there you are. Now all the events are back on. Now all this face-to-face stuff is happening. People moving around. It's all very frightening. It's all very frightening. So um, um, where are we? What are we drinking? Well, clearly we are in our own little virtual studios. Um, we've got this... Uh... Look at this Colburn Estate. Oh, actually, you probably can't see that very well, can you? There we go. Nice little Colburn Estate. Um, it's a, um, a Shiraz Tempranillo. It's a 2021. This is from up in, well, you guessed it, the Colburn area <laughs> um, in, in the Hunter. And it's um, it's actually quite nice. It's, 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 good, it's good drinking and it's, um, it's, it's new. It's fresh. Um, although there's not a lot of really old sort of Tempranillos floating around. They tend to be the more recently... Um, drinkable vintages, but um, yeah, it's um, it's a good drop. Cool. And your score? I'd uh, I give this a three point nine. A three point nine. Excellent. You didn't say any. So I I can't say anything about it, can I? But never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I'll, I'll expense some this afternoon. Um, cool. All right. So um, look, um, there's a report just out by Salesforce.org this time, not salesforce.com, salesforce.org, yes. um, talking about not-for-profit. So this is salesforce.com's um, not-for-profit sector releasing a report which talks about lots of countries and what's going on in the not-for-profit sector and and what's not. And it's quite fascinating um, to see some of the things there. And some I kind of agree with, some I know nothing about, and some I disagree with. So I'm going to bombard Scott with questions. Right. Scott's on, I think, a couple of boards and heavily involved in the not-for-profit sector, at least here in Australia. Um, I'm not sure how much he's done around the world, but we'll, we'll give it we'll give it a go. So look, we're talking about digital maturity for not-for-profits, okay? So yes. we're looking at some trends in that sector. Um, so um, let's let's begin. We're just going to die through it. Um, number one, which was on everybody's list when they talked to Salesforce, and it's really funny. I wonder how much it's on people's minds so much now, is remotely managing. So remote working for staff and or volunteers. Um, how's that going yes. in your world? Oh, look, it, it, look, from a, a non-profit side, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of uh, non-profit organizations have moved online. Um, and uh, I think it's the the, re the report. Now, this, the data out of the Salesforce report, and we're just going to cover a little, a few topics in that Salesforce report um, initially. The, it's showing about 78% and now purely virtual. Now, there's, depending on how you want to look at it, about 60-odd thousand non-profits. 
um, the Australian uh, ACNC um, uh, register, which is uh, essentially where the, um, the the registry is of all the nonprofits, or, or most of the nonprofits, I should say. Um, it tends to track who's who in the in the nonprofit space and what's going on. Um, Seventy-eight percent now existing virtually only. I, th I think that's probably grown a little bit. This data is probably about a year old, give or take. So um, I, I think that's probably increased. Uh, I don't think organisations are running away from some of the major offices, but I, I, I suspect, as per what we've seen in um, in the commercial space, that there has been a lot of downsizing of actual office space needed. Uh, and especially for volunteers uh, that you know, used to have to go somewhere, you can now see them doing a lot of that material online. So that's that's something. Uh, but of course, with that and with everybody being online, you've got things like how do we manage our staff? How do we manage our teams remotely? Uh, and these are common things that we've sort of come across, but it's perhaps a little different in the nonprofit space because you're uh, working with a lot of volunteers as well that could only be half a day a week or a day a week or a few hours here, a few hours there. And you've still got to manage those workloads. So it's it's more important to be across yeah, um, the everybody that's 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 there and what they're doing and how they're doing it, and making sure that everything's coming together for them. So, so I know like like lots of people volunteer for not for profits for the social aspect. Mm -hmm. With the social aspect, yeah, with that kind of virtual not for profits and that remote stuff, social aspect kind of disappears. So, have you seen, you know, at least in your space, a reduction in volunteers or volunteers being less happy doing what they're doing? Um. I think what we've probably seen is a, a small shift in the makeup of who is a volunteer these days. And um, just to clarify, when you're talking about social, you're talking about people physically getting together in a social mm. environment, not social yep. media like a Facebook or that sort of thing. No, 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 no. Right. So um, uh, we actually, we've actually seen a good engagement uh, from a lot of the youth, for example. Um, but it's a, um, it's a small and a fast engagement. Which is, which is interesting okay so so rather than these big you know i'll i'll become a life member of this association by volunteering for the next hundred thousand years yes. um, they come in they help with something and they go away and do something else yeah and, and more likely than not that will be online sure i can you know spend half an hour here doing tap 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 done that next do a bit later on the week blah 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 as different to someone that may say i'm going to donate a day or two of my time go to an office sit down do some actual work and that sort of thing so it's a okay. it's a trend and it's a an interesting trend that um, we have to uh, of, of course keep up with um, and then you've got the challenges that we sort of mentioned before about now how do you manage someone that may work for you an hour here and an hour there during the week mm. um, which comes into the tools the systems the management processes around that so so the reports yeah and the report was published november last year um, mm. So it's it's been around for a little while, um, but they were saying they'd noted that you know fifty percent across professions are burnt out and they're lonely, not as a result of social isolation, but from the emotional exhaustion of being burnt out in the workplace. Do you think the trend to do these things virtually has created burnout for everyone? I mean, people talk about being more productive at home. Um, but you're also, you're missing out on some of the things that make work fun, which probably aren't all about productivity, right? No, it's about the water cooler, of course. 
all those all the activity around the water cooler. Look, I, I don't think this is a non-profit specific thing. I, I, I think this is a general observation across lots of uh, lots of businesses, type, lots of industry types. Um, when you sort of say to everyone, look, all of a sudden here's a laptop, go work from home, work it out, and people have done that for the last couple of years, but what is now missing? Now that you know things have opened back up again, you know, and like like us, we're travelling, we're on planes. Um, where where are those sort of in person work events, or I shouldn't say event? It's more like the in person work activities that occur every week. You know, sitting down as a team. Like even for us, although we tend to work remotely a lot of the times, we make sure the teams at least together once or twice a week just to socialise and to look at her face and say that's who this is and <laughs> maybe not my development team um no. But, <laughs> no. <laughs> but 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 certainly no i get that but you're Although I, I will sim- do a, i will do a call out to lester who now knows who nash is anyway yeah that's, that's it's only been a month or two um but it's it's funny isn't it when you look at some of the features you get in tools like Microsoft Teams, for example. So we use mm-hmm. Teams all our communication, and there's some there's a whole bunch in there about giving people kudos and winding down and doing a virtual commute and all of that, you know, mindfulness stuff in there. But I also notice they're starting to turn on technologies that help you be a better speaker when you're talking online and communicate better and do better eye contact. And it popped up to me the other day and said, I'm not allowed to use the term you guys anymore because that could be offensive to some people. Uh, I guess you've got to be very careful in what what you're saying and how it's taken these days. Look, and I guess this comes a little bit into uh, where AI is heading in, in, in some respects that there's, um, if you've got systems and tools monitoring what you're saying, what you're typing, how you're going about it with all these suggestions, like, and this is like the, the Grammarly's where, you know, oh, you type this, maybe you'd like to type this instead. Um, it's a bit like a, a smart clippy in a way. Um, yeah, well, kind of talking talking about AI, you know, there, there's there's this comment in in this, this thing saying, you know, um, AI is going to have a massive difference. I think 81% of not-for-profits are looking at AI to help automate operations. But, yeah, AI is not just about automating operations. It's a whole bunch of things yeah. that it does or can do, which is pretty amazing. I think the AI references are a lot more about process automation than they are about actual AI. Things like, um, let's move our marketing online. And if this person subscribes to this and then does this and then does this, send them this automatically. Or you know, if this process really, happens. That's not artificial intelligence no no it's 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 more just taking what we think of and putting it into an automated tool but it's it's Mm -hmm. the start of artificial intelligence in a way it's the start of thinking about having the the computer make the decision for you even if you're specifically programming whatever that decision is yeah i did i did notice yeah in this report from salesforce even australia 82 percent which just happens to be the global average of NFPs are expecting to rely more on technology than people to run the organization. Yeah, that's looking in one respect, that's not surprising. Um, when you've got think about the organization of old, go back 20 or 30 years and you would have teams of administrative people behind the scenes doing tasks for you. Mm. What does my PL look like? And then they're manually adding stuff up or putting them into spreadsheets or calculators yeah, or, or whatever. card files or, or typing yeah, pools yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that's just it. So when we talk about technology is 
automating those parts. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen it, you know, are you using zero? Does it produce the P&L for you? Can you submit expenses automatically? Yes. Can you, And those sort of um, efficiency gains are fairly commonplace these days. It's, hmm. it's, it's interesting, and they're getting more and more commonplace. And I think as kids grow up, they're going to, be more and more used to that, which which began again, you know, one of the things this report doesn't mention a lot is the demographics in not-for-profits. And I'm mm. sure like any business, the older your senior management, the less you kind of keep up with this this stuff because it's 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 moving fast and it, it's kind of exciting yeah. we, um, so we, we see that a bit in um uh, in donations as well it used to mm -hmm. be you would have a uh, a smaller number of donations uh, of larger sizes so you would have your big um you know and dinner events or in-person events and you know you might be having people donating five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or five thousand or ten thousand dollars at a time and that sort of disappeared now. I mean, that that is still there, but the with everything moving online and the whole digital economy sort of thing, what we're seeing is a massive trend towards finding ten thousand people who will donate two dollars. Yep, for example, and just go tap in an app somewhere and be done with it. Think about it for so, ten seconds. Tap next. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's it's quite interesting. Here's one of my soapboxes. I think we're going to talk about next <laughs> is the use of data to make decisions. So I, I, I like saying to um, um, senior execs in medium and small and medium businesses is the difference between you and the equivalent global enterprise that does what you do um, is that they 100% and only use data to make their decisions, whereas you still rely on gut. Mm. Um, and looking at the data from Salesforce, it's only 34% of respondents saying we make decisions based on data and evidence, which which is truly frightening really and i guess there's a couple of things without access to the right data how are you going to use it to make decisions but in, in your world where you're looking to ten thousand people to invest to, to donate two dollars well if you can get ten thousand people donating two dollars how hard is it to get a million people donating two dollars well, it's not that big a leap right but that's it and it's more about your marketing message and your reach and uh, how can you enable that through social media platforms than it is about the old ways of thinking about what do we do with this and that the thing about the the data as well um in in the i'll say the older days organizations would buy some of these big like software um, solutions like tableau or there was a no, there's, there's half a dozen of the, the the big sort of data analytics packages, but they'd easily be hundred thousand dollars plus beyond the scope um, of most of the uh, smaller organisations out there. These tools are coming down. In you know, yeah, so it's, 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 they, they are. So so a couple of stats which really surprised me because this is all about you know people not actually using technology to do what it's really good at. Yeah, thirty one percent said we're able to accurately forecast income from our fundraising campaigns. So so are you telling me that that 69% of not-for-profits are doing activities out there with no idea what income they'll get from it? it yeah, I, I don't think perhaps no idea is not right, but perhaps a, uh, I don't think they've got the volume of campaigns running or they've got the history of those approaches to show that we know that if we throw like you know, $500 at Facebook, we're going to get $7,000 back in campaign, in um, in donations if we target yep. this audience on these days in this way sort of thing. Right. Um, do you remember so, when... So then, um, then, oh. then people fall back to running 
their you know annual events or their charity fundraiser or their church fate or yeah. because they've always done those things yet what you're saying is those events may not i'm not saying this is i've got no idea but what the we're not saying those events just because you've always done them and your not-for-profit has existed for a while doesn't mean that those are the best way for you to fundraise or, or will be next year or the year i after. think I, I think it's a mix i think those types of events will always be there because you've yep. got a, a certain audience type that really enjoys those. That, that's, but you that's need to their thing. You need to use the data to make those decisions, right? True, true. Rather than the we know we make you know, ten grand, fifty grand, hundred grand every time we run that event. Therefore, let's just keep running that. And yep. I get that, but that's that is more gut feel than it is the data telling you that. Um, but this is it. Remember the old um, they used to have uh, Dell would advertise a lot in in online in the newspaper and the magazines, and there'd always be a little promo code thing underneath if you wanted to take advantage of the offer they had, and everything had an offer on as an attraction to buy. So they would look at all those promo codes, and they say, if we know that if we target this magazine in this month or this website at these times, we'll get a return of X versus we've tried these and these and these and those promo codes they just didn't work or we got like a three percent return or something like yeah therefore we're not going to spend money there and a lot of the smarts in the marketing that's been around in the enterprise space for a long time is now starting to become available to the lower end markets into the smes into the non-profits and so forth mm -hmm. yeah now here so so here's here's an interesting stat which is is sitting sitting before yeah before me so we've just gone through their stats so things are changing the areas donations are changing. Thirty percent of um, not-for-profits are using data to make their decisions and guarantee their income. Yet, when Salesforce went and asked people about their digital maturity, ninety percent said their technology was good or excellent in all areas. Yes, um, uh, I've never, a, ever, ever been to an NFP. Where ninety percent of people can tell me their technologies. That's probably because we're going in the support capacity, and it's not good at the time. But that's quite impressive. So, well, I, th I think there's a couple of bits to that. I think there's no uh, connection on what defines good. Yep. It's well, yeah, we've got a laptop. It works. You turn it on. It starts up. You know, therefore, it's good. It's functional. Yeah. I think if if you look at that as good, it sets the bar fairly low. Um, but you, but you're right. Every well, ninety percent um, of NFPs saying, "Look, we we've got decent stuff. It tends to work. Off we go. What mm -hmm. could possibly go wrong?" Yet, um, as you've seen, we've uh, we were looking at this other figure, which was the the twenty two percent that actually said, "We we feel comfortable that we are a fair way along on that digital maturity scale and can actually use data to make decisions." Yeah, so that's why it's interesting. So this we're, we're heading into the you know this digital maturity, and you know anybody who's anybody in consulting will come up with a maturity model, um, and they've normally got kind of five steps, and you grade yourself on them, and it says how mature you are. But there's a really interesting stat, and we're going to talk about those in a sec. But there's a really interesting statistic that those who rank low, out of those not for profits, zero percent said they were able to forecast their income. You know, mm. so they couldn't. 24% yeah. in the medium digital maturity. And in high digital maturity, that was up to 64% of not-for-profits able to forecast their income. So if I mm. think about being any business, being able to forecast your income effectively is a key metric for growth. 
Without that, it's very hard to make longer-term growth decisions, right? I mean, we're talking about hitting a budget. I sort of yeah. assume that's, that's, I mean, that's your, if you're forecasting your income, I mean, you can do that accurately. Surely you've got a budget for the coming year. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So really it's a matter of hitting, well, hopefully um, exceeding whatever your budgeted numbers are. Yep. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. So where, where to from here? I mean, we're, there's a lot of stats and data that sort of says people may think their scenarios are good, but really the definition of good these days is a bit past where it used to be. So, Those so, organizations, yeah. I, I think, yeah. I, th I think we need some, yeah. You know, if I was to say, and you could probably do this off the top of your head, if, if there were five things to look at in my business that said my, or my NFP that says my NFP is not digitally mature, what do you think those five signs would be, Scott? Oh, look, it, it, straight off the top of my head, um, data. Where, where is your data? Is it like, is it in, it doesn't have to be one place, but is it in a smaller number of places and those places talk to each other or there's some sort of API or interface or connection that allows them to communicate that data back and forth such that your tools have got ready access to all the information you need to be able to start making decisions. Because in most cases, what we see is data is well, it's all over the place. When we start to look at your your average sort of nonprofit, there's some here, there's some there, there's some stuff on someone's laptop, there's some stuff in a Dropbox, there's, you know, people are using Box, some things are in Teams, OneDrive, um, you know, some, some of the uh, Microsoft accounts are personal ones, some of them are business ones, it's a, it's a mix of everything and anything. And then you sort of realize, well, how on earth is someone going to try to look at generating smarts out of that data when you can't even get it all together in one place to look at it in the first place? Yep, cool. That's one. What's the next one? Um, process, digital process. I mean, uh, many many nonprofits I've seen they've they've got processes in place because they've been around for a long time. They've they're not they wouldn't have started yesterday and it's a blank slate. They're, they've certainly got a way of performing things. Is it efficient when we think digital? And I'd say that's probably no. The the level of process that or the level of improvement that can be had in the current processes using digital and technology to make things more efficient i think there's there's quite a gap there cool cool excellent next one um well I, I said first about not having access to data all over the place part of it is also when you do get access to the data people don't understand what the data is so i'm looking at this going well okay that's this we captured that this way here but when we then captured that this way over there and these two things don't really align on any sort of basis therefore what do we really got here um, different data used measured different ways in different scenarios and trying to be applied to get a common answer on something and it's probably creating more confusion than anything else and, and a lot of time making assumptions and the more assumptions you make, the greater your error rate is in your, in your answers. So yeah, that's a good one. Next one. We can number four now. Come on. Okay. Well, th this would come back to the forecasting that we were talking about earlier. Um, whether yep. it's, whether it's for things like your fundraising campaigns, whether it's forecasting budgets or whatever you, there's still a lot of sort of gut work involved in that. The, the ability to sort of say, Hey tools, look at everything we did last year. What should we do more of? And if we did more of that, what sort of number? It's the old what if type stuff in analysis out of Excel, but a bit better sort of thing. But the ability to generate some sort of fundamental you know, projections on where we should be or where we think we're going to be based upon what happens.
Okay, pending. And the last and the last events one. happening, of course. Yes. Um, uh, well, th this is not too bad, but this is actually using data uh, to personalize your interaction with people. Um, many um, uh, OBM had an ad oh, on so, this. So uh, not, not Dear Donor. <laughs> dear donor, yes, or uh, it's, it's, it's something like, dear Scott, I noticed it's your birthday next week, and last year on your birthday you donated X for Y. Why don't you do it again this year? That type of thing. Um, yeah, or dear Atkins and the Common Scott. Is that, oh, really? that, <laughs> yes. that was done well. I mean, I I got a I got an email uh, even this morning from a um, a, a well-known global data accuracy company. Uh, and essentially, this is an organization that you would go to um, if you wanted to, say, uh, clean your data. You've got a lot of data, and they have, in theory, all the most accurate records on all these people globally. So you say, oh, I'm missing that bit. Um, mm -hmm. I'm missing this. I'm missing that. And they fill in all the missing bits of data for you. So you go, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, that's, that's interesting. What can we do with that? And it started off by saying, we're working with many businesses just like yourselves, such as T-Mobile. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think T-Mobile are a little different. They're a, you know, a global telecommunications carrier. Yeah. Yeah. How does that match with what we do? And yeah, no. if this is the accuracy coming out of the data matching company, then I don't know. Anyway, and that's, that's the thing about this whole thing that we need to be able to make use of data in such a way that we can personalize our experiences. That whole customer experience thing, Making it feel like the organisation you're dealing with knows you a bit and is you know, coming across in a in a warm way, not in a computerised generic way. So, so that's that's cool. So, let me give you the give you the list as you kind of said them and see if that works. So, okay. you should really, you should really think they your NFP has issues with digital maturity. Either you're not, i.e., you're not digitally mature. If you struggle with managing your data, you have a lack of processes and a lack of process automation. It's hard when you have your data, you can't make sense of it. You don't know what it means. You can't forecast income on your fundraising campaigns or grants, etc. And it's impossible to provide really good personalized communications to your donors. Yeah. Cool. I would excellent. Look, there's probably more, but I would have thought if you got that sorted out, you'd be a fair way ahead. Yeah. So let's say somebody's been listening to us today and they they've they've heard all of this and they've gone, oh, one of those, yeah, what are the things they can do to improve their digital maturity, apart from phoning Scott, which is exactly <laughs> what you want to do. <laughs> well, first of all, understand where your data is. What data yep. do we have and where is it located? Um, that will at least give you a, hand, um, a handle around, look, what have we got to do to stop the sprawl and start getting it into a small number of places? Um, the, the second part of that is take that next step and start consolidating your data. You know, it doesn't all have to be in one place. Um, it can be in a few places, like you know, a few key applications, but those applications need to have the ability to be able to talk to other applications so the data can be shared. It needs to be accessible. It's no good if it's all tied up in one app and you can't get it out and you're trying to look at data in another app and saying, well, if we could just get these things to talk to each other, you won't get there. You've really got to think about how strong are your applications now to be able to show that they can play with that data and be able to talk to each other. Um, the um, cool. I would say I yeah. would say my key one yeah is yes. process process automation. Okay. 
every time you take data from one place and put it into another place, just like you said, you get information in on a campaign and you're typing it into a spreadsheet that you give to something else that does something, you need to automate those processes. Mm. It's if you that. have, that's a real sign of digital maturity. Yeah, getting the intellectual property out of someone's head and into a system yep. that's always going to be there. That way, if that person goes on leave, if they move into another role, they'll go into a different job somewhere, that you've retained that process and an intellectual property in your mm -hmm. organization, automated in your systems. And and then finally, something we're really good at, or we try to do a lot, I don't think we're really good at, but <laughs> I work a lot on it, is making sure my staff get trained, they get the relevant additional skill uplifts, et cetera, et cetera, yes. as, as we're moving on. Staying up to date. Yep. Yes. I will say there's one one interesting thing out of all of this that um, has probably been front and center in the press recently, and that's security. Now, mm -hmm. nothing we spoke about today mentions security. And in some respects, there's a no. reason for that. The existence of security is not what we really see as a an increase in your digital maturity, it doesn't, it's not really enabling you to do more things or to satisfy your goal, your objectives any faster. It is protecting yourselves and it is certainly a necessary thing, but going and implementing a whole security framework, which is by the way, very important, is not something that's going to transform your organization. I will say security becomes a lot easier when all your data is in one or a small number of places rather than having it scattered everywhere because you're then going to look at how do we protect it everywhere. But yes, interesting. Cool. Now that's awesome. Thank you, Scott. That's all right. Thank you, Nick. Cool. That was, that was lots of fun. 30 minutes of NFPs and digital maturity. Thank you, salesforce.org. Um, any trademarks, of course, are the, are the owner, uh, <laughs> are owned by their respective owners. Um, cool. Um, so thank you so much for watching or listening. If you do like what you saw or heard, please um, give us a like, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment if you'd like us to discuss a topic in the future. Scott, thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. And thank you all. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.